This recording is going to focus on how to manage people without micromanaging them. It's essential to enable your direct reports to fulfill the roles, to make decisions autonomously, and to succeed without stepping on their toes or micromanaging them. I'm Jason Gore, and I'm here with executive coach Robert McNaughton. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, the art of weaving shared expectations so that people can act autonomous autonomously and not have to be babysat, but while still doing your job as a manager is, is, a, is, a, is a tricky one. So this is an important practice to talk about. And I think, Robert, we're talking really about role expectations. Yeah. You know, what decisions a person can make on their own, um, where their role is kind of complete and they're the decision maker, but maybe you get consulted or where it's like actually your decision and they could come to you with a recommendation um, but you want them to come to you. And it's really laying that out so people understand where they have full responsibility and what are they driving for so that they could actually do their job well. Right. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be more complicated in some cases than being really clear about the purpose of the role and defining the accountabilities for that role and making sure that you're understanding the accountabilities in the same way that I am. And then it can be course correction from then on. But I think what we're talking about here is we don't want to be, you know, a helicopter manager such that we have to, you know, like you, you have to run every piece of your work by me for me to check things off. Like that's, that's good for early on, you know, in our careers, but not at the stage that we're at with the leaders that we're developing. You know, I think uh, milestones do come into play here as well is if we have really key milestones, people are coming to, to us with check-ins, we can do course corrections. Um, without those milestones, um, then people can get too far along and then feel like, whoa, I have to do all this rework because you're pulling me back. I thought I had authority to move forward here, and now I'm realizing I'm going in the wrong direction. And yeah. so finding the, the right cadence yes. with your people also is important. Yeah, there, ha there obviously has to be a, an appropriate heartbeat. And, you know, if you've just hired a new direct report, um, you know, then obviously that, that cadence, that heartbeat is probably going to be more frequent, you know, in the beginning. But the, the cost of when we're overly micromanaging is that people will lose their autonomy, they'll get resentful, they'll be on autom automaton, and, you know, we're not actually allowing them to to flourish in the way that you know we ultimately want them to to be an autonomous mature adult totally you know i was working with one ceo and not all coaching engagements are successful and this one wasn't um the situation was i, I was hired by about a 40 person company um and they were doing well but they wanted to grow the product had a lot of inherent risks to it uh financial and litigation risks um, and so everything was being approved by the CEO, uh, every single project. Um, and, you know, as we tried to grow, it didn't work because he became the bottleneck that he wasn't able to not micromanage. Yep. And, you know, we spent about a year trying to get over it, like trying to delve out the roles and responsibilities and say, Hey, you have authority for this, but you need to consult me with on this. And over the course of the year, he can take back all the decision-making. Right. And he, it got to the point at the end of the year where people essentially weren't willing to go two steps ahead 
because there, there was so much rework that had to be done. There were so many things that he would change. Um, and so it was literally, he just had to be part of every single step. And the organization was bottlenecked. Yeah. And we got to this place where after a year, I said, there's just no point in growing. You, you're not going to be able to grow unless you can trust your people. And he just really got to the bottom of things and said, I'm not willing to trust my people. I'm not willing to trust anybody in this role unless I could duplicate myself. And he wasn't able to do that. Good luck with and that. so I said, basically, like, oh, great. You just know what you are then. Know that you're going to be a 40-person shop and you're not going to be able to grow. Yeah. I think that's a great example, Jason, because that's so common when a high-performing leader you know, tries to bring in more people to help them out, but they're, they keep getting in the way because the people aren't doing things the way they, they want them to be done. And I, I, I resemble that. I, I used to act like that. And it, it, it is a problem because you're never going to have people operate in the way that you would exactly do it in the beginning. And really the metaphor here is being a, a, a managing by coaching and leading with questions and seeing if you can you know, bring people along in the way that you want things to go, but allowing them to grow into that without trying to hold their hands through it because that'll never let them grow. Yeah. You know, there's so much vocabulary and conversation about this particular topic. You know, some people might define it as managing versus coaching. Right. And you, know, you manage to your needs and you coach to your wants. There you like, go. you know, for your role, for you to be successful in this role, you have to do this. I will be your manager here yes. for you to really excel in this company. You know, I want you to do more autonomy. I want, I want to, and I'm going to coach you in, in how to do it in your own art um, and distinguishing what those things are where I'm insisting that you do something in a certain way and where I'm encouraging you to do something in a certain way. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I like the concept of nudging, you know, where it's like, if I'm, if I'm, your manager, I, I can come and sit down and ask you, so, okay, what's your strategy for this? How are you planning on doing this? Okay, that's interesting. You know, this catches my attention. Tell me more about that. And so I'm still like allowing you to be autonomous, but I'm being there to, to offer guidance as needed to be a support role um, right. and, and being available for you, but not, but not saying like, no, you have to do it my way. Yeah. You know, that's, it's almost like a bookend. Like that, you know, you set up direction and strategy and metrics. You let your people go, give them a long enough leash to do the work. That, and, and you don't get into the how they get their work done. Yep. And then you check at the end, did they do it well and are you satisfied? And if you're not satisfied, then you review together what they could have done better. But yep. then next time they do it, they're then taking that advice and running with it and hopefully growing. And if they're not growing, like if we step in and start doing the job, they're not going to grow at all. And eventually we're going to have a half of a resource that, that, that quits out of resentment yeah. versus a full resource that could do this. And yeah, maybe they're not the right person, but let's find that out. That's right. I mean, and, you know, the leaders that do this very well, they invest a lot of their time on being clear on the vision, on the milestones, where we're headed on um, the metrics, the expectations, being available for support and making sure that the relationship is good and engaging and inspired 
So that way people can go and use that inspiration, use that compelling vision to enact what they need to enact for the company, but they're not being you know, told exactly how to do it. Yeah. Now I will say that um, if you don't hire well, if the person is not fit for the job, sure. um, you're going to be drawn into micromanaging and you know, a good test is when you're drawn into micromanaging, ask yourself, is this, can this person grow into the job? And then try not to micromanage, really hold them accountable, which is a practice that we'll talk about in, in, another, in another recording. And if they keep on failing, right, where you're setting clear expectations, you're offering coaching, instead of micromanaging, like actually find someone that can do the job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, there, there has to be that awareness around it that sometimes you have to man, uh, micromanage to make sure the job gets done, right? Because, you know, we, we have to hit our targets. But there also sometimes, you know, needs to be things like a, a three-strike policy, you know, where it's mm -hmm. like, it's like, okay, this didn't meet my expectations. Like, I, I want it to be done again. And if they're not the right person, yeah, you have to, you have to, to engage that other practice as well. You know, I think it's important here, Robert, to distinguish that we are talking about leaders. And, you know, this podcast is specifically organized on the people that are a little higher up in their organization. And in the lower levels of the organization, if you're leading a bunch of individual contributors, right, then you, know, you can get into some, it does get more detailed. And it might look like micromanaging because you're getting into the how they do their work, but sure. you still want to make sure it's a dialogue. You still want to make sure that they feel they have autonomy, that they're, they feel that they're being supported in success. And they're not being told what to do, how to do it, when to do it. Um, and, you know, that level of micromanagement tends to not invite the best and highest quality people. Right. And, you know, at, at lower levels, as you're saying, that is necessary to, you know, um, engage people in standard operating procedures. But at the higher levels of leadership, in many cases, coming into one of these roles, a, a lot of the job is about writing new standard operating procedures is like taking what's currently working and, and making it better and maybe even reinventing the system. And so in a certain sense, we don't want to have to, um, you know, do the job for them and make them a half resource. As you said, I think a lot of the problem is, is when I, as a leader know how to do something really well, like I know how to sell this product. I love it. I built it. And like, here you are coming in to, you know, to mature this in a different way beyond me. That's when it gets really hard for me to have to pull myself back from doing it because I, I think and I may, probably do know how to do it better. So learning how to allow you to grow into that role, giving you the resources that you need so that you can even do it better than me. Totally. Um, and for senior level leaders, this is a real problem um, as you ladder up your career and for CEOs too, right? You, you have to ladder up and you have larger and larger scope of responsibility. Um, and so, you, you know, you, if you hold extremely high standards, um, you really have to ask yourself, what do you want to do? Right. Do you want to run that functional department or do you want to run several functional departments? You know, and if a CEO has, for example, a really good design element, it's fine to set it up where you, get, you are giving feedback, you're people, letting people run with things, giving feedback, giving them lots of direction, and you need to meet with them more often if you are more meticulous and kind of shorten the cycle uh, duration. You know, so instead of meeting with them once a week, if you want to be really involved, meet every three days. Yeah. 
but you're still you're you're not there you know being the helicopter you're still doing the teach to fish rather than fishing exactly now let me just say robert i have seen you know ceos where the company gets big enough that they're like you know i miss design i actually want to be the product leader and so they become co-founder and you know head of whatever department um where they just they love being in the weeds and if you are that kind of leader. It's really important to know that, know where your passions lie and replace the parts of your function with people that can do it better than you can. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That That's always available. But if, if we're wanting to grow and scale things, then we, we do have to learn where to, where to pull ourselves back to, to set up things so that we can be, um, you know, allow, allow people to be autonomous, but still give them the attention that they need. You know, before I finish up, I just want to say, like, doing this with excellence is hard. Yes. Right. How do you hold high standards and not micromanage? Um, and especially if you're, as you're saying, Robert, really involved and are very particular. And I think an indicator of success here is that your people know where they have autonomy, where they can make decisions on their own, um, and where they need to run things by you. And yes. when it's working, it feels good for everybody not working, it usually feels good for none of the parties. Um, the manager feels like they don't get what they want. And the person, the individual contributor feels like that you're unsatisfiable and they don't know what to do. Right. Um, and so, you know, put some energy there, really put some attention to get it, you know, on a, a railroad track that's working um, sooner rather than later so that you could actually see is this person going to survive in this role? Are they going to succeed? Um, So put attention there to to find that out. Yeah. Yeah. We have to invest in making sure that there's integrity in the relationship. And if, if shared expectations consistently are broken, then, then yeah, that can point to it's not a good relationship, but we have to invest in making sure that we're on the same page so that we can allow things to go. So there doesn't consider to harbor resentment and frustration. Yep. Um, and, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's not really always the fault of the individual contributor or your direct report. It's that your management style might not be suitable for that person sure. um, or that you didn't hire well. Um, but it's not always their fault. I mean, a lot of times, you know, as an executive coach, I come in and the manager is blaming the individual contributors or the directs. Sure. And it's like, actually, no, you're not setting expectations up. You're not getting clear about where they should come to you and you're not giving them autonomy. So, like, you know, you're getting exactly what you're creating. Yeah. Especially if it keeps repeating, you know, it's like, okay, now this has happened two or three times. What's wrong with all these people I keep finding. It's like, well, you know, so the key takeaway here (laughs) is that, you know, you need to manage people, but if you micromanage them, it distracts you from taking on higher level, more strategic roles and you become a bottleneck and generate a lot of resentment in many ways that are not going to be um, productive for your, your group. So manage people, but don't micromanage them. Yeah, thanks, Jason. This is a nuanced territory. Indeed. To all the leaders out there, we hope that this conversation has been helpful.